0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Just chilling out, broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studios. Make sure you're using promo code Overtime in the Vivid Seats mobile app. First time customers only. Why does he keep doing that? It's so weird. If anybody, by the way, has any kinds of questions like that, um, I would direct you to the Facebook group and just ask them about my truth, okay? They'll fill you in. Link is in the description. Go ahead and uh, jump in there. So today, man-o, 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 today before the big game, it's starting to feel pretty real. Uh, I want to kind of look at some of the specifics. we got a little bit of a clearer picture, who is playing, who is not playing, and again, we touched on it a little bit, but I want to sort of look at some of the matchups, some of the thoughts in terms of how we win, how we lose. Obviously, as I said yesterday, biggest thing in my opinion, just don't shoot yourself in the foot. You know, in general, is this team talented enough to beat the Dallas Cowboys? Yes. To be completely honest, and I I forget who it was that said it, somebody in the Facebook group I think mentioned Joe Marino said it, but let me just find it. I don't know. I can't find it. Maybe it wasn't in this group. Whatever. I believe it was Joe Marino said he believed that not only would we beat the Dallas Cowboys, but that the Packers are the best team in the NFC. And it felt like a reach when I first heard that. But really, what is the competition? And I'm I'm not saying there's no competition because of course there is. There's a lot of it. But it's not that big of a stretch. All right, the Saints are a very good team, especially when they get Drew Brees back. The The Bears and the Vikings and the Lions in general, we just don't know what's going on. The Vikings, it feels like it's chaos. The Lions, nobody wants to believe in. Uh, the Bears, you know, probably still don't have a quarterback. But all three of them, you could make cases for. Bears probably still have the best or one of the best defenses in the NFL. If Trubisky's out the season, they might actually have a quarterback, The Lions are, you know, I mean, just playing kind of like a good football team. And the Vikings are a good football team. They just don't know it. And as long as they don't know it, they're not going to win. But maybe they'll figure it out. 49ers, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. I think that's sort of all the teams vying for the top. But, you know, again, Dallas hasn't really played anybody. The only team they did was the, the Saints. The Eagles, yes, we lost to the Eagles. But they're clearly a beatable team. I mean, all these things, even saying best is kind of nonsense. But, you know... on any given day, it's just kind of a matter of, you know, out of 10, how many times are you going to win? I don't know that I'm looking at any one of these teams and definitively saying that anybody is definitely better than the Packers. The one thing that most of these teams have over the Packers is that the Packers are still just trying to figure this stuff out. Things aren't clean. Things are a little messy. You know, the defense giving up, you can't be doing that, right? You need to be a little more steady. It's still early. You know, at this point, maybe the volatility, I would say they're not the best, but by the end of the season, if the defense is playing at, you know, week one, two, three levels consistently, and if the offense continues to click, if Aaron Rodgers continues to throw the ball like he has the last couple of weeks, which has been really, really, really impressive, um, Devontae playing the way he's playing, I actually, as I said, watching the game, I'm really kind of impressed with, with Jimmy Graham and Marquez and these guys getting wide open. It's just a matter of kind of Aaron Rodgers figuring this stuff out and going through his progressions, etc., etc. But even just on paper. There's no reason to count the Packers out as, as one of the top teams. So yes, this is this is a good game, and I'm, I'm not going to, at least today, I'm not going to make any definitive statements about who wins because it's one of those things, where out of 10 games, it might be a 5-5 five to five kind of thing. And really what we're talking about is, you know, could we argue that the Packers win 6 or 7, or should the Cowboys end up winning 6 or 7, right? When we say which team is better. But, but on this day, of course, either team could end up winning. And we don't want to get into the... the the conflict of our mind of whoever wins this is the better team. We we don't know that. I We lost to the Eagles. I don't know that the Eagles are better than the Packers. There's still a lot that needs to be ironed out, and there's still a ton of questions, right? We came into this season saying there's a ton of questions, and a lot of those questions still exist. But at this team's optimal, this is a different kind of team than we've seen in the past. The difference between 2019 and 2018 is that 2018, there's nothing that could have fixed that. It's just not good enough. That's not the case anymore. This team is good enough. It's just a matter of how much of their potential can they actually achieve and attain. Which of these things are just not going to get fixed until we acquire some new players or make some more significant tweaks, right? Is this run game ever going to get going? Are these offensive linemen ever going to figure out the blocking or the run defense? But overall, I mean, we're talking about a very, very good football team. And I think at it, you know if you look at the Cowboys and the Packers and just say, let's just say these two teams play at their best, I think the Packers win 7 out of 10 times. By the way, um, Mark in the Facebook group from Auckland, New Zealand, is going to be at the Packer game. He just showed a picture in the Facebook group of this cheesehead he's got. So first of all, if you're going to the game and you see that guy, just know that he's one of us. Which really just got me thinking, what I need to be doing is pumping out as much packernet merchandise as i possibly can at the cheapest possible price point that i can because i want this to be like this weird little cult thing where you got packer games with a bunch of people walking around with these weird packernet shirts on and then what you do is you just pass by them and you don't like start a conversation like oh hi look we're friends we're no you just walk by and you just nod like yeah man and then people see the weird nod and they see the t-shirts and they're like i need to join this cult and then (laughs) then we can get them do whatever we want cults are crazy that way it's like creed from the office said uh Make more money as a leader, but you have more fun as a follower. Start doing crazy stuff, like g- get a call, you know, some kind of a chant. Not like a creepy chant, like a football chant, but I just want lots of people looking around going, what is going on right now? So just so you know, it's going to take a while to build that up, but I want that to be a thing. Oh, I know. Somebody can call out whose truth, and then everybody else that's a PackerNet listener can call back my truth, right? Something to th- I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Oh, boy. But anyways, yeah, he's got a, a really awesome cheese head thing, so if you see him, just be sure to, like, say hi. And He flew a long way. Just, like, buy him a, a piece of pizza or something. I don't know. It's probably only, like, 40 bucks for a slice of pizza. It's not that bad. Anyways, why don't we take a little break, and we'll get into it a little bit. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones about seeing what you could potentially get right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arena club.com slash pack Wow. That's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash pack for 10% off your first purchase. All right. So as she stands right now, the injury report day. Montrevious Adams is officially out, so all the excitement about him coming back and being able to help against the run, even though he's not very good against the run, he's out. So we can just not worry about that debate. Oren Burks, also out. That was actually the exact same situation where it's like, oh, is he coming back? Because then he can help, despite the fact that he's kind of not good at football. He's out, so we don't have to worry about that. Why is Devontae not on this list? Devontae is out. He's not on the injury report, the official injury report for the Green Bay Packers. So that's weird. Is this... Week 17. What what Packers injury report is garbage. Let's let's go to a different source here. Here we go. DeVonte Adams, toe injury out. Montravius Adams, questionable. Whoever runs the Packers website is horrible at their job. If you listen to this podcast, please put in a little bit more effort. I'm I'm very sorry to be so mean. What are you doing with your life? Nothing ever works on there. It's it's I just I don't like it. Go look at, it says, if if you go to the Packers' official injury report, it says week 17 with a bunch of random information, like Montrevious Adams is out, and here it says limited participation all week, he's questionable to play. Anyways, Tony Brown is out. Uh, Brian Balaga is questionable. Oren Burks is questionable. Kyler Fackrell questionable. Jimmy Graham's good to go. Kevin King is doubtful. See, because the last thing I looked at said that he was a full go and he's ready to go and everything's fine. But now... Now, it doesn't say that because you guys messed up your thing. Jay Kumaro, good to go. Blake Martinez is fine. Will Redman is fine. These guys shouldn't even be on here. Jamal Williams is officially out. So we'll talk a little bit about the running backs. I actually am very excited to see Dexter if he ends up playing. I'm assuming he's going to, unless we're just going to have Vitaly run as a spelling Aaron Jones, but I doubt it. I want to see him because, you know, be, if well, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Let's go and look at the Dallas Cowboys. See, I don't trust this anymore because this clearly was like copy and pasted from the last thing. I don't know, whatever. According to this, it says Tyron Smith is the only guy that's out, which is unfortunate. Lael Collins, Tyron Crawford, Michael Gallup, and Antoine Woods are all questionable, meaning they'll probably all play. Collins was limited on Friday and did not practice Thursday, so there maybe is some credence to him. At, le- at the very least, he's going to be playing hurt. The other guys have been limited for at least a couple days, so they're all probably going. So that's that. At least I think that's that. I don't know. This is also Packers.com. But it's an article, so I would think it's a little more correct than the official sheet, which is very wrong. So a little bit of the details about this here game. Uh, currently, the market has the Dallas Cowboys minus 3. PFF has a minus 3.4. Uh, the market over-under is currently set at 47. PFF has it at 47.8. As of yesterday, there was a good amount of movement in the Packers' favor, which is a little bit surprising um considering Devonte Adams being out was was the new news maybe it has to do officially with Tyron Smith although we knew that the whole time so it's a little bit weird uh the market was minus three and a half it moved to minus three so it, it as of yesterday for whatever reason it, it shifted in the uh the Packers favor a half a point there's a couple of other interesting little factors PFF also has the ELO rankings I think that's how you pronounce that not ELO Elo or ELO rankings which, it's pretty complicated, but I think it's similar to what you get with uh, football outsiders. In other words, it's, it's competition adjusted. It, it's looking at the absolute value of the team as opposed to, you know, kind of where they stand based on the competition. Uh, some of the specifics they give is that the Packers are approximately 1.3 points better than the average team on a neutral field. The Dallas Cowboys are three points better than the average team on a neutral field so with the Dallas Cowboys being at their home turf PFF generally is looking at this saying that the Dallas Cowboys are currently 5th based on their Elo ranking the the Packers are 14th and being in Dallas that's clearly in their favor however they've also got offensive and defensive rankings and and what they've done is create sort of their own little Massey ranking Massey is very similar I don't I don't exactly know the difference if somebody does maybe you can help explain it to me but it's a very similar thing again football outsiders were looking at Sort of competition-adjusted value using PFF grades. So they look at their grades, they look at the players on the offense, the players on the defense, and create a a general grade of of where these people are at. And and surprisingly, they have the the offenses ranked Packers eighth, Dallas Cowboys fifteenth. The defense Packers ranked third, and the the Cowboys ranked thirteenth. That's pretty shocking because even PFF says that I believe they have Dallas's defense number two-ish, two or three, and so essentially what they've tried to do is create some kind of a competition-adjusted value and have said that the Packers' offense and defense are seemingly better if I'm reading this correctly. So um, again, how much that's worth, I don't know. It would be a lot better to see exactly how this is all calculated to be able to come to a better conclusion of what exactly it is that they're saying and how they're saying it and if I agree with it or whatever, but. It is pretty impressive to see that they're looking at this and saying, if you adjust for competition, the Packers have a better offense and a better defense. Anyways, all that aside, let's get into uh, a little bit of the nitty-gritty. I want to start off with the Dallas Cowboys because I I really think that the Eagles kind of laid out a framework for how to beat the Packers' defense, and I think it actually fits the skill set pretty well, especially with Kevin King being injured, I think is going to be a really big negative. And essentially, what so, so there's a couple things. There's Kevin King being injured, there's the Eagles laying this out, there's the... The fact that Michael Gallup is coming back, there's sort of a lack of talent at linebacker. There's there's so many things that are kind of in play here that that tell me the best way that you play this is eleven personnel: Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Cobb in the slot, Jason Witten at tight end, Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, and we just run eleven personnel all day long because what the Packers do is they run a uh, dime defense with uh, Mart- Martinez as the lone guy in the back occasionally you know depending on where the safety is sometimes Amos is is kind of wandering a little further back sometimes he's up a little closer but we've we've got one true linebacker and a safety and just a you know six dbs on the field and then what they do is they say our offensive line is going to be better than your offensive line slash linebacker because really if we're looking at it it's it's sort of a five on five plus Jason Witten's going to be blocking the the corners are going to be blocking kind of becomes almost a six on five with Martinez uh, depending on where Amos is and so it, it really depends on the guys up front winning, as opposed to what they did last week, which was losing, and guys like Savage coming from deep and making big plays. Right, we, we have to win the numbers game. We have to win our assignments, and we have to win the numbers game. And if they're able to do what the Eagles did, which is essentially say, okay, we, we need to create a lane here, and we just fall for it, because Martinez's goal was kind of to just hang out, wait for the blocker to come over and block me, and then try to get off the block. You can't do that, man. you got to fill the hole prior to them getting there and, well, whatever. But that's going to be the formula. That's what they're going to do. They're going to line up in 11 personnel, three wide receivers, one running back and a tight end, and they're going to just kind of do what they want, essentially. I mean, the, the goal here is to be able to run because it's it's causing us to be a little light up front, which means we have to really establish that you're not going to push us around. That that's, That is ground zero for this game at least when the green bay packers are on defense and the dallas cowboys are on offense that's ground zero because if they can do that it's kind of already game over they can run the ball at will and you know with kevin king out um It's going to create some some issues. Yes, we have Jair Alexander, but they've got three capable wide receivers. They can hit Randall Cobb. You know he's going to get six, seven, eight targets in this game. Michael Gallup, at least for the first two weeks, was really really impressive. Kind of slipped away a little bit after that. Also got injured. But you know small sample size. But you know he's a he's a young guy that they were hoping would take a big leap. And in his second year so far, position rank is sixth overall graded wide receiver. Again, way too small of a sample size. I don't don't expect him to end as a top. 10 wide receiver but just to give you an idea of how productive he's been yes against garbage competition but you know they they have capable guys and of course we still have Amari Cooper and if if Jair is going to be over on Cooper which I, I kind of think that's going to be the case we'll see how Mike Pettin wants to play it maybe he puts Alexander over on Gallup and we try to you know mm, figure out something else over on the other side but it, it's going to be tough it's it's really Mike Petton has a tough uh situation to try to figure out how to manage this with Kevin King being down is going to be a problem, with them having, I don't know that they have any elite wide receivers, but having three capable wide receivers, that can win. And when you're a wide receiver, when you're on an offense, all you need is one guy to win. So if if you've got Alexander on Cooper and Alexander's locked down, that's fine. Look at Gallup. Is Gallup open? Is Cobb open? You know, is is, is Elliott going to be open in the flat? What about Witten coming across the middle, right? We just need one of these guys to win, and the fact of the matter is, generally speaking, one of these guys is good enough to be able to win given their matchup. Uh, The other problem is with with Tony Brown not playing, trying to figure out who the cornerback is going to be. This entire season, only one other corner has set foot on the field. He's played five snaps all season, and that's Chandon Sullivan. So this is a bad week to have Tony Brown and Kevin King out, because whoever's going in is going in ice cold, and they're going to attack him a lot. Now, you know, sort of I guess common sense would almost be the way that I would prefer to do this and you know we'll, we'll see about you know Kadar Holman maybe he's kind of good to go I don't know but maybe kind of reverting back to to what we did last year put Josh Jackson in the slot I know he's not super ideal and there's a lot of question marks with him but but yeah there's somewhat of a comfort factor there and that's where he played and probably played at his best was in the slot and throw Tremont on the outside. I know this isn't super ideal, and I would love it if Kadar Holman could just come in and just play fantastic and we don't have to worry about it, but I just, I almost wonder if if we just say, you know what, Josh, you're going to go back in the slot, Tremont, you're going to go back outside, and we kind of roll it that way. And we can shift things around. We'll see how it goes, but I I think if I had my choice, that's where I would start. And again, that's entirely uh, assuming that we have Josh Jackson ahead of where Kadar Holman is. And I'll take it a step further. It's it's kind of a good-bad situation if Kadar plays a lot because it's a good sign for Kadar, but it's also a terrible sign for Josh Jackson. If you're ready and available and healthy and you've got two injuries at corner and we put in a sixth-round rookie over you, that is real bad. So I don't know. That, that'll that be an interesting thing. But either way, it doesn't really matter because I think this is the way to go. Um, I think generally the, the Cowboys, if they're smart, are going to start out in 11 personnel and they're basically going to say, in this space. Personnel, we're going to be able to do whatever we want. We believe we can pass out of, out of 11 personnel because our wide receivers match up against your corners. And I believe we're going to be able to do exactly what the Eagles did, probably with even more success, despite the fact that we don't have very good um, offensive line play thus far, especially with Tyron Smith being out. But we're not going to worry about it, because I'm not going to sit back and try to drop back and, and you know do these deep drops and do these deep plays and worry about all that stuff and give you an opportunity to tee off on the quarterback and get sacks and get big plays. No, no. We're going to run the ball a lot. We're going to get the ball out of his hand real quickly. We're going to be efficient. We're going to have these long, elaborate drives. We're going to tire out your defense. And we're just going to rack up points, because there's nothing you can do to stop this. And again, ground zero, trench warfare, Sedarius, Preston, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Rashan Gary, it's it's time to step up, man. I mean, R- R- Rashan in particular has been going in the wrong direction. I don't even I couldn't care any less about a sack. My goal for Rashan Gary at this particular point in time is to do exactly what he did in Week One and just be a wrecking ball. Find the first person that says they're going to block you and just knock his head clean off. Just blow it up because what the Eagles were able to do was what well, they had these really elaborate, sort of beautifully orchestrated, you know. Uh, offensive line, he's going to pull and these two guys are going to come in and create an alley. What Rashawn Gary's good at is just coming in and just being a grenade that blows things up. Don't give them the opportunity to create these elaborate, nicely organized, you know, he's going to pull and he's going to go here. No, I'm going to take out the tackle. I'm going to push him into the guard. and I'm going to push both of them back onto their head. And once things are all messed up and everything's chaos, that's when you get guys like Martinez that start, somebody's going to come free because somebody's coming on block. It just, just wreck stuff. The problem against the Eagles is you had a bunch of guys just trying to hold their ground, right? I'm not going to let you push me. And, and they end up getting pushed a little bit, and then I'm going to try to re- Forget all that. Hit the guy in front of you really hard and just knock him back. Catch guys off balance. Knock people on the ground. Just create absolute chaos and havoc. That That's going to blow this up right out of the gate. You're not going to just simply allow guys to come out and pull and come through. No, if somebody's trying to come through the offensive line, and by the way, I think this is why Kenny Clark was getting offensive holding penalties or defensive holding penalties, which seems ridiculous, because guys are trying to slip past him and get to the next level, and Kenny's like, no, dude. I'm not going to let you get up there. I need that guy behind me to come make a play. Now, some of these calls are probably nonsense, but that's how that happened. And, you know, kudos to the refs for even looking for something that ridiculous. But just don't let them do it. Just go knock people down. Don't let them sit there and do whatever they want to you. Like, you know, same thing like with Blake, where he just kind of stands there and waits for a guy to come over and block him. No, forget that. These guys are slow 320-pound guys. Part of the reason the Packers have so much trouble doing this is because, and it's hard to do, because you got these guys trying to slip through and get out in front of a linebacker. The linebackers are so fast, if they take off running, you're not going to head them off. If this play is to the outside, don't get cut off by a a 320-pound boulder. Be faster than him. Get past him so you can make a play. We've got to be faster. We've got to be more physical. We, We were so passive in that game. They were playing like they were scared. Like, I I don't know what they're going to do. They're worried about, you know, the trickery of it. And everybody kind of hesitates. And it's like, all I'm going to do is just try to stand here and not get pushed around. And the Eagles just did whatever they want. We can't do that. Their left tackle is really, really bad right now. Cam Fleming is no good. We have to absolutely abuse him. Connor Williams, on the, as a left guard, has not been very good. Travis Frederick is one of the best centers in football. He's had a terrible 2019. I have no idea why. I'm hoping that doesn't end. Kenny Clark, please hurt that man. Zach Martin, one of the best guards in football, is playing good, not great right? He's, he's, he's very good, but he's beatable. And again, we're talking about an offensive line that's basically him and a, a hurt Lael Collins with a bad back. And it's also kind of a fluky thing. He hasn't been great all year. It's primarily run blocking, not pass blocking. So somebody needs to absolutely annihilate him on a pass play. And it's also been, you know, two really good weeks, mostly run blocking and two weeks that are just kind of average. This is an outlier. He's currently graded as the number one right tackle in football, again, mostly because of his ability to run block. But it's been it's it's two good games is all he's had. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to forget. I don't. I don't care. This is how we win or lose. As far as the defense is concerned, this is where we're going to win or lose. When we beat the the Chicago Bears, it wasn't because the coverage was so good. It was because the defensive line absolutely abused that offensive line. Which, by the way, as I said in 2018, I think gave up the least sacks of any team in football. We had what five sacks in that game. I don't want to hear excuses. This is a very good football team, and it's you know. You had three great weeks in a row. Now is not the time to start doubting ourselves. You're bigger. The reason we went out and got these guys is because you guys are all bigger and faster than everybody. Rashawn Gary doesn't fit the Brian Burns mold, but they didn't want Brian Burns. They want a big, strong guy like Rashawn Gary that's going to get up in in, in a guy like Zach Martin's chest and blow him off the ball. Blow him straight back behind the line of scrimmage. We know you're fast, man, but you're not always going to be able to just run around people. You are very, very good at just being disruptive. Go be disruptive. Let, let Martinez and Amos and Savage come in and clean up the mess. You just go create the mess. You create the havoc. You create everything. So when, when Ezekiel Elliott's coming out, he's like, all right, so I need to go this way and there should be a lane. No, there's nothing anymore. He panics. He has to go scramble to the outside. Savage comes in and cleans him up. You just create the panic and the chaos and let everybody else clean up the mess. Don't worry about pretty. Rashawn Gary's trying to be all, all pretty and stuff and, and try to make it look good. Forget look good. The defensive line needs to just go in there and destroy some stuff. Scare the offensive line, legitimately. Go scare them. We've seen the frustration on on certain offensive linemen's faces when they've gone up against the Packers or or other teams where it's just like, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't have any answers. We have to do that because, again, they're still going to be able to throw the ball. And don't forget what I had said about about Dak Prescott. So the, the other reason that they want to establish this is because they want to make us back off. One of the other things that the Eagles did is they were running so much that we had guys that weren't even trying to come after the quarterback because once we come after the quarterback and they run, that's two guys that are up the field behind the quarterback that have no impact on this run game. So they stopped coming. Occasionally you would see Zedarius go, Preston's kind of hanging back. So there's not as much pressure. They need that because Dak Prescott is one of the worst quarterbacks in football right now when he's under pressure. As far as NFL passer rating, Dak Prescott is ranked 33rd overall. 33rd. If we kind of adjust this so that we've got, you know, people that have played significant amount of snaps, Dak Prescott is 29th out of 38. He is terrible, terrible, terrible under pressure. Aaron Rodgers is 16th. He's not, you know, the best in the world. But Dak Prescott is straight up bad. They have to make sure that the Green Bay Packers, anytime they want to bring pressure, they have to hurt us. Because if they don't make us scared to bring pressure, we're just going to keep bringing it. And I think we need to keep bringing it. Don't back off that. If, if we need to keep the guys home, fine. Bring somebody else. Bring a corner. Bring a safety. Bring a linebacker. There needs to be consistent pressure on Dak Prescott, and it has to get home. Because, again, he's terrible under pressure. And it's kind of pathetic because nobody ever gets home. I mean, if, if there's one guy that shouldn't be hearing pre- uh, uh, footsteps, it's Dak Prescott. The guy's been sacked like three times, legitimately. I mean, you know, and that's true of a lot of, you know, Pat Mahomes has been sacked three times, Tom Brady three times, but these guys, they don't play scared. Dak does. And you you go watch some of his highlights. He's standing, I mean, he's standing in a perfectly clean pocket, throwing to a guy that's wide open. We can't let that happen. Again, Panic and chaos. These guys do a great job of being fundamentally sound. Their their offensive line is orchestrated. Everything is run a certain way. Ezekiel Elliott just follows. The, everyone just does their job, and everything's fine. And if Dak can just stand in a clean pocket, and if and allow them time to find a wide open receiver, if if Dak if Ezekiel Elliott can just run behind this road grading offensive line that has time to slowly develop what it is they're trying to do and get to the next level, and he rips off twenty yard runs, we're done. It's over what they do is they operate within structure and they're very very good when they're able to operate within structure which is why i said panic and chaos is the key for our defense bring blitzers make dak worried he doesn't know where it's coming from he just knows it's coming somebody's coming lots of people are coming and again ground zero establish the the trenches. Don't let them win in the trenches. Don't let them run the ball because then they have to turn to throw in the ball. Then we get to pin our ears back. Then we get to go get Dak. And that's when bad things happen for the Dallas Cowboys. Some interesting uh, little tidbits here about him under pressure to elaborate on this. There's only four quarterbacks that have at least 100 dropbacks and do not have any touchdowns while under pressure. Dak Prescott is one of them. The others, Joe Flacco, Teddy Bridgewater, and Mitch Trubisky. That's it. Everybody else, if you've got at least 100 dropbacks, has got at least one touchdown under pressure. He's got zero. Interceptions, the exact opposite. This is one of the few times you're going to see him at the top of a list. Jameis Winston and Matt Ryan have four interceptions. After that, Dak Prescott, Case Keenum, and Josh Allen are the only other ones that have three interceptions. As far as touchdown-to-interception ratio between these guys... Jameis has four interceptions, but he has three touchdowns under pressure. Matt Ryan has four interceptions, but he has two touchdowns. Case Keenum, three interceptions, but four touchdowns. Josh Allen, three interceptions, but two touchdowns. Dak is three interceptions, zero touchdowns under pressure. And as far as how many, what what percentage of dropbacks is he under pressure? It's only 26 percent. Jameis Winston, who has four interceptions, is under pressure 40 percent of the times he drops back. Matt Ryan 36, Case Keenum 35, Josh Allen 38, Josh Rosen 40, Daniel Jones 48 percent of the time. This guy's 26 percent. That's one of the lowest. I mean, he's never under pressure, ever. He's tied with Pat Mahomes. The only guys that are less is uh, Derek Carr, uh, Ben Roethlisberger back when he was playing. Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Brees, who also is not playing, and Eli Manning, who also is not playing. So of the guys that are currently playing, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, those are the only two who are under pressure less in the NFL right now. So you've got a guy who's getting all this hype. He's got a good group of wide receivers. He's got an unbelievable offensive line who keeps him cleaner than just about any quarterback in the entire NFL. And he's got a, a solid running back. I'm sorry, but I'm just—I'm not going to give him that much credit. And again, put the guy under pressure, or—or as I've said before, put him behind just about any other offensive line in football. I think he's—he's a mediocre at best quarterback, possibly even a pretty bad quarterback. Because look what he does when he's under pressure. And and look at this—you've got one, two, three, four, five, six quarterbacks, including Aaron Rodgers, that are under pressure. Um, I'm sorry, six, seven, eight quarterbacks, including Aaron Rodgers, who are under pressure. 40% of the time or more, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Rosen, and Jameis Winston. 40%, between 40 and 48%, those guys are under pressure. Put him behind the the Green Bay Packers offensive line, see how he does. Aaron Rodgers has two touchdowns, zero interceptions while he's under pressure. So no, he's not in the same caliber or class as Aaron Rodgers, not even close. He's not in the same caliber as just about any of these other quarterbacks who can actually do stuff. Almost every quarterback is, is, you know... Geez, there's 27 quarterbacks that are pressured 30% of the time or more. One in three times. He's pressured 26.1% of the time. One in four plays, there's some sort of pressure. And again, he's sacked less than just about any quarterback in the NFL. Now, as I've said, he can make stuff happen if he has a clean pocket, but most quarterbacks can. The difference here is that he has a clean pocket more than most quarterbacks. We have to change that. Mess some stuff up. Cause him to play in fear. If we can get back to what we did against the Bears or the Vikings or or kind of the Broncos, where it's just constant pressure, constant chaos, constant fear, he's not going to do anything in this game, because I just generally don't think he's all that good of a quarterback. You know, we can even look at it from a sack. Per- what what percentage of the time when he drops back is he sacked? Eight percent. By the way, this this notice how I keep talking about Pat Mahomes in this. PFF has said that his he's still a very good quarterback. Obviously, right? Crazy great arm and all that stuff. We have to take everything with with you know context. Tom Brady is sacked the second least. Pat Mahomes is sacked the least. Jared Goff is third least. These are guys who have a lot of help. Now, I think Tom Brady is still a pretty good quarterback under pressure, but a lot of the times the, the reason he's going to have a great year is because nobody can get to him. Pat Mahomes, same thing. He's standing in a clean pocket. Dak Prescott is sacked 34th out of 38 quarterbacks. Nobody ever gets to him. You look at a guy like poor Kyler Murray, who is second on this list behind only Luke Falk, 32% of the time, Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, Josh Rosen, Deshaun Watson. I mean, you want to be impressed by somebody, Don't be impressed by Deshaun Watson. That guy is under constant duress, has no run game, has only one wide receiver, and that offense is pretty impressive at times. I'm way more impressed by a guy like Deshaun Watson than I am Dak Prescott. I'm not going to go so far as to say Pat Mahomes, that's debatable. I'm just I'm just saying. I mean, it's, it's a very good football team. And, again, if we can't get to Dak, he's going to rip us to shreds. But this is not, you know, I mean, we're not talking about Gardner Minshew here or anything crazy like that. I mean, it's Dak Prescott. And I've already spoken my piece about Ezekiel Elliott. I've never thought that he was that good of a running back. Coming out of college, I didn't think he was that good of a running back. The, the reason I was so upset that he went to Dallas is because I knew he would be pretty good at playing behind that offensive line. I don't think if you put him on a – if you give him to Green Bay – I don't think he's nearly as good of a football player. I've, I've I've explained to you what PFF has given him as far as grades. If you look at um, his elusiveness rating, which is a statistic, it's not just a, a random grade. He is ranked sixty second, sixty second out of eighty six. Let me minimize this to to filter some of these guys out. If you if you kind of filter out some of the snap counts, he's forty first out of forty nine as far as is his elusiveness rating. He's not elusive. Aaron Jones is thirtieth. Aaron Jones isn't even having a good year. He's 30th out of 49. Ezekiel Elliott is 41st out of 49. He's one of the, the lowest on this whole list. And again, I'm not talking about bad. This is a good football team, but what am I saying? It all starts with the offensive line. You want to know why when a left tackle goes out, suddenly the team falls apart? Because it's that pivotal to this team. You want to know why I've been consistently saying for the Dallas Cowboys, they need to keep drafting offensive linemen, keep drafting offensive linemen, because the whole team, the whole offense is predicated on this elite offensive line. If you lose that, you have no more elite running back, no more elite quarterback. All that goes bye-bye, because you've never really had that to begin with. It's all just this big facade because everybody says you got a great quarterback and running back when really, it's just a really good offensive line. And, and look, I, I fully acknowledge Ezekiel can hurt you. Right? If, he, if he has a hole, maybe he can do more with it than a lot of other guys. That's cool and all. But I'm just saying, if we win in the trenches, they've got nothing. Ezekiel Elliott last week against the Saints, who won at the offensive line, kept Ezekiel Elliott to under two yards per carry. Win in the trenches. Anyways, those are my general thoughts as far as the Packers on defense. And it's not going to be easy at all. I, I don't anticipate, I'm, I don't want to make this sound like this is going to be an easy thing because it's not. There's a reason that a mediocre quarterback and a pretty good running back look as good as they do. And it's not just because of an elite offensive line, because like I said, they've kind of been struggling. It is a very good offensive line, but similar to what the Eagles did, they're very disciplined. They know exactly what to do. There's They're They're efficient. They're not going to beat themselves. Typically, they're they're going to do their job. They're going to do it very well. I think the Cowboys have been that way for a very long time. They win because they play good, smart, fundamental football. They operate within the system. They've got a great game plan. They come out and they execute. Again, this is why we have to just absolutely obliterate everything that they're doing. Won't be easy, but they can do it. And and they have the right personnel to do it. Again, how do you absolutely grenade something like that with, with big guys up front? And that's what Mike Patton sought out to do. That's what he does do. We, we get guys that can penetrate. We get guys that can blow people off the ball. Just, just get them out of their rhythm because they're they're a rhythm team. They operate within a system, blow up the system. They, they work within a structure, blow up the structure. So general thoughts. Why don't we take a quick break, and then we'll flip the sides of the ball, talk about Packers on offense, and then we'll get out of here. As far as the offense is concerned, I really just think this is a matter of continued progress. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll state it for the 17th time in a row. I saw lots of guys getting open. I'm not as concerned. Now, granted, some th- th- there's two factors that are different in this game. Number one, Devontae takes away a lot of attention. Without that, you know, the, the attention gets kind of evenly spread out. The good thing about that, is, you know, it's, as far as not having somebody to key in on, that includes Aaron Rodgers. Rather than Aaron Rodgers and the defense keying in on one guy, now it's a matter of the defense doesn't know who to key in on. Probably Scantling, but the, the Packers love to throw to Jimmy Graham. you got Allison, you got Kumaro, you got a lot of guys. Uh, Vitaly, Aaron Jones. Without somebody to key in on and, and spreading it out, that gives the, the Packers somewhat of an advantage. And, and kind of similar to what I said about the Cowboys, it's just a matter of just one person needs to win and and like i said last week a lot of guys were wide open so really as far as progress it's just a matter of aaron rodgers needs to keep playing at a really really high level as far as his 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 arm talent his accuracy all that was really really on point the the thing that was missing was just not seeing the right guys at the right time right so he's, he's looking in a correct direction, then pressure comes, he drops his eyes and looks in a different direction. As soon as he drops his eyes, the guy that he was looking at comes open. Right there, There's a timing and a rhythm that just seems to be kind of off, and I'm not exactly sure how to fix that. I'm not in the meeting room. I don't know exactly what's supposed to happen, what did happen. All I know is I'm watching play after play after play. I don't remember really even watching it. I'm, I'm dead serious. If you got Game Pass, go back and watch it and count how many times you saw a play in which just nobody was open. I think maybe like the first pass play of the game, they ran just like a bunch of quick little hooks, and they did it in zone, and it was basically just a guy, a bunch of guys ran up to the defenders and stopped, and that doesn't do anything. It always seems like a bad play until they run it at the right time, and then you got a bunch of guys who are open. So it's just kind of one of those, you know, rock paper scissors things. We call rock, they call paper. It's just not going to work. But very, very few plays where guys there there isn't somebody at least open. So it's just a matter of Aaron Rodgers if he can find the right guy that we can we can win this. It's not even so much and, I, and I gotta refine this because it, the other factor that isn't in play here is how bad the corners were for the Eagles. That's not necessarily the case here. They're they're not great corners, but they're better than the Eagles' corners. Byron Jones is good, not great. Uh, Chidobe Awuzie is is you know decent. He's, you know, I, I would say not quite Tremont level, but one of those guys that you kind of feel good about, but he can certainly be beat. Kind of that middle-of-the-road category. But I, I just think this, I think the system works. I really do think the system just works, and it's just a matter of just run it, and, and we just need to take another step. Now, part of that step really does need to be getting the run game going, because it's just not good. I mean, it doesn't have to be great. We just Can we get three yards on a carry? 1.9 is terrible I mean every single play getting tackled either behind the line of scrimmage or maybe getting one or two here or there that's not going to work we can't be the, the, this bad at running the football so I we got to figure something out and I really think a lot of it has to do with so so we've got two things at play here we've got an offensive line that doesn't exactly fully understand the the running scheme and like I said with the Eagles and the Cowboys it's so beautifully orchestrated and you watch how the timing, and everything is just so. And and if you know where to go and when to get there, the angle that you take, everything is so down to the the minutia. And it takes a lot of practice to get all this. And if you have to think, you already lost, right? It's one of those situations. The Packers offensive line just is not there yet. Now, some of these plays, obviously, on the inside, it's just they've been doing this for years. You understand how to do it. The guy in front of you, you need to push him to your right. Get him out of the way, and then you're good. But some of the more complex stuff, and there's even plays where, it, you know, It looks really good. Everybody's blocking up front. I think one of the first run plays, it was actually perfect. It might be the first run play. The guys up up front were blocking great, and then you saw three guys creating a wall at the second level. It looked amazing. And if if Aaron Jones could have got through, that could have been a massive play. The problem is everybody was in tight, and um, Geronimo Allison just completely whiffed on a block, and you had a corner or a safety come blitz in and just tackle him behind the line of scrimmage. We've got a 20-yard run play right here, and it failed because we have a wide receiver responsible for a run block, and he missed his block. So, and But, but the encouraging thing about that is you see how when you just see a play fail you just think man this team is trash like that's that's just the first thing that comes into your, into your head like this team is no good but when you look at it and its individual components it's a lot of good 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 and one bad that just ruined it for everybody you know what I mean so I, I just I think they're close and that doesn't mean win right if, if the defense struggles and if the offense still can't quite get it going the, the Dallas Cowboys could blow out the Packers I'm not making a prediction right now I'm, I'm just saying they have the talent to pull this off if the offense if, if we need two things from the offense we need Aaron Rodgers to get the ball to the right place at the right time because guys are getting open. We need the guys along the offensive line to block better. If we can do those two things, this this offense can be a top three offense in the NFL. When, when you look at guys that are that wide open with the amount of talent that Aaron Rodgers has, with the amount of talent that Aaron Jones has, with with the, the different dynamics, forget forget the talent. You know Jimmy Graham isn't what he was. So what? I saw him blow. I, you know how many times I saw Jimmy Graham open and the ball just didn't get thrown to him? It was unbelievable. I've never been more confident in Jimmy Graham than when I watched this last week of him. Again, maybe it's an anomaly, but man, this guy is open a lot. And as big as he is, especially a lot of the times you see him catch these passes, it's like, well, he's, he's catching it in traffic and everything. Yeah, but there's times when he's open. The team just doesn't seem to be in sync. Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham don't seem to be in sync. The, the the rhythm and the flow of it doesn't seem to work, but I'm seeing Jimmy Graham, and he's doing what he needs to do, right? He's running down that seam, and he's stressing the defense, and the linebacker can't keep up, and you're seeing a six seven guy run open down the field. The ball doesn't go there, and then by the end of the day, we're all watching the game. We don't see Jimmy Graham anywhere. He doesn't do anything, and we think, wow, is he overpaid. He can be a weapon on this team. He hasn't been. He might never be. But you can see just by watching that why he makes a difference on this team and why they keep trying to make him the primary read despite the fact that it seems like it isn't working and why they're paying him this money and they're not cutting him, why they're not even entertaining the idea of training, trading him which maybe they are and nobody wants to pay the contract, but that's beside the point. They don't even be they don't seem to be even alluding to the fact that things aren't working. They love Jimmy Graham, and that's weird to us. We don't get it, but what I'm saying is when I watched last week, and maybe this isn't the case every week, I watched it and said, yep, now I get it. Now I understand why they don't want to give up on him. This This guy can be a weapon. They just haven't quite figured that out yet. Scantling, not open consistently, but, man, he's several times deep down the field, that deep post, you know, he's just, he's open. But either Rodgers isn't looking or, you know, the pressure gets there just at that time because these things take time to develop, and if there's any pressure, we're just not going to get the ball to him. Geronimo, I don't know if he gets open a lot, but, man, he catches everything that comes to him. So, um, I mean, that's what it comes down to. You know, this isn't a prediction. It's a matter of do these things we win. Do these things we can be, you know, Super Bowl champions. But will they do it? Will these things ever occur? Is it going to happen this week? You know, everybody has good days and bad days. We'll have to see what happens. But the Dallas Cowboys are absolutely beatable. They got a pretty tough front, um, and it, even this is kind of tough too, because I, I've said consistently they've got the best linebacking duo in the NFL. They haven't been that great. Leighton Vander Esch has been good, not great. He's nowhere near as good as he was in his rookie year, and Jalen Smith is having a real bad year, which is weird because he's a real good uh, linebacker. So you, you don't really know where guys are at, right? Same with the Packers. Like this guy, I mean, he was good. He's not doing much now. I don't know what's going on. Or maybe he's not good anymore. I don't know, but um, I, I, you know. We'll see. It's 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 within their grasp if they want to come out and play like they did against the Eagles, just shooting themselves in the foot. We're going to lose and buy a lot. But if they can't come up and play up to their full potential, especially this defense, man, I think the defense can absolutely dominate this team. It's going to be tough at the cornerback position, especially with King out. Yeah, I said what I said. But Alexander is playing at a at a really great level. It's it's inconsistent. But I mean, again, if if that everybody's inconsistent, but if everybody plays at a, at a optimal level. Alexander is a shutdown corner in this league. Tremont Williams is a very underrated corner. He's he's been playing great football. Nobody wants to talk about him. Um, you know, the the Smith brothers are just incredible assets for this team. Uh Lancaster and Clark and Lowry and Gary. Um Blake Martinez plays a good role in this. I think he's an intelligent player. He's just a little bit too hesitant. Savage Amos, I mean, it's it's a good group. It's just a matter of play up to your potential. That's all we're talking about. Anyways, that's all I got for you. We're going to cut it there. You folks have yourselves a fantastical day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.